a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20. I'm reading from the NIV this morning, following on your favorite version. It says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunities to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want. I can do, verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Verse 14, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I deserve, desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. Verse 18, I love this. I have received full payment and have more than enough. Let the church say more than enough. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Verse 20 is the benediction. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I like verse 12. I want to use verse 12 for the sermon, the title this morning. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. We'll do verse 13 again. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Look at the person next to you and say, I finally figured it out. As a subject this morning, I've gotten it all figured out. I've gotten it all figured out. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the preaching moment. God, I thank you for the the heavy responsibility to stand behind this sacred podium. I pray, God, that you would use me in your own special way. I pray, God, now for a fresh anointing to declare your word and share your word with your people. God, I need your power, your preaching power to help make preaching a little bit easier. I cannot do it aside from you, God. So now know me afresh from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet in the name of Jesus. When it's all said and done, God, I pray that your people will be edified. Amen. You will be glorified. And as my friend says, and the devil, devil will be terrified. God, we lift this prayer in Jesus' name. Let everybody say thank God and amen. Thank God amen. Amen. You may be seated. I've gotten it all figured out. There she go. There go my I've gotten it all figured out. We talked in Sunday school this morning, y'all, about the Israelites complaining in the wilderness. They left out of Egypt. Number, Numbers chapter 11, it features them complaining about how good they had it in Egypt as opposed to the wilderness. 
they complain in Numbers chapter 11 they were eating good in Egypt eating ribeyes and filet mignons and eating, eating five star meals if you will but then we're there in the wilderness eating manna every day eating cornflakes every day with 2% milk I'm using my own sanctified imagination if you will they complained about how good they had it in Egypt as opposed to the wilderness. Yeah. So think about that. Have you ever repeated, repeated the phrase, my God shall supply all my needs? Yeah. What, do, what do you really mean when you say that? Do you treat that as just another religious cliche or do you truly believe that? It is more than a cliche because Paul would actually write this, this line in a few of his letters. He doesn't, he doesn't mean that uh, believers, we will, he doesn't mean that we will never experience times of need. Paul is a living witness himself. He, he's often endured trouble. He, he's endured lack of funds. He's, he's endured hunger. He's endured persecution. He even writes his letter from the, from the Roman jail that he's in. And I believe we can often relate. Uh, most of us can relate to that. I, I'm sure not by myself when I, when I say I've endured trouble. I've endured a lack of funds. There's been days when I didn't have two nipples to rub together. I've been hungry. I've had to starve, but I, 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 there's some days where I had to crack open a can of Vienna sausages. But you know what? I made that Vienna sausage like a five-star meal. First day to tell you, I break out a can of Texas Pete and pour it on there, and it Whether he's facing plenty of hunger or whether, he, whether he's facing uh, plenty or whether he's having hunger, whether he has a lot or he has uh, a need or he's in need. His secret is knowing that God is trustworthy. So when we say, my God shall supply all my needs, we trust him to provide whatever we lack. Sometimes we need strength to persevere through hard times or hardships. But we have to trust that God is not only going to meet our needs, but he's going to give us the strength to endure whatever, whatever we're going through. Uh, he, gave, he gave Jesus the power to endure. Amen. And he will give us that same power to endure as well. So here we are, the last chapter of Philippians. Paul, he's in the closing section of this letter. He, he thanks the church for their generosity while he is locked up. I've never been in jail, so I can't tell you what that experience is like for someone uh, locked away behind bars for a long period of time. I can imagine it's, it's every bit as bad as it's portrayed to be, but nonetheless, it seems and looks as all intense, all, uh, all the evidence is Paul is making the best of this situation. Think about Paul. He comes from an elite background. He, he, he talks about in chapter 3, he comes from the, the tribe of Benjamin. By the time he encounters Jesus on the road uh, to Damascus, his life is flipped upside down. He says in Philippians 3, uh, for the sake of Jesus Christ, he, he considers everything he once had, he considers it a loss in order that he may gain Jesus Christ. None of the accomplishments, once he met Jesus, none of the accomplishments in his previous life brought the satisfaction he later found in knowing Jesus. 
In his whole life, enough was never enough. But when he, when he met Jesus Christ, he considered everything else to be rubbish, and there was nothing better in his life than knowing Jesus. He writes here about contentment. That brings up a few questions, y'all. Some, some dictionaries define contentment as the state of being mentally or emotionally satisfied with, with things as they are. It's, it's, it's truly hard to find someone that is content with his or her condition in life. But when we think about contentment from a spiritual standpoint, as a spiritual principle, the question then becomes, who is in control of your life? Is it really God in control of your life, or is it your career, your relationships, or your possessions? When you think about your possessions, do you possess them, or do they possess you? Is Paul saying we should settle for less? No, he's not saying that. He's lost everything. But in the process of losing, it turns out that he has, in fact, gained everything. Uh, as he puts it, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So there is loss of everything his identity had been based upon. He lost everything that his identity was based on. But he had a, a hindsight look. All of that stuff was trash. He said all of that stuff was rubbish. So instead of losing, he actually gained. Do you consider yourself to actually gain when you got salvation? When you received salvation? Did you gain or did you lose? Paul suggests, here's what he suggests in this chapter. We will not be content until we realize that Jesus is better than anything else. We spend our time chasing our friends. In other words, if your identity is based on things, then you would never have enough. If your if your if your if your whole cycles is wrapped in materialism, then you'll find yourself at Green Bar Mall always buying stuff. Or wherever you shop at. What Paul argues today is your identity cannot be based in stuff. It's got to be in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes the same argument in Matthew chapter two, uh, Matthew chapter six Matthew six twenty five. He says, "Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than more than clothes?" He goes on to say in verse thirty two, uh, "For the pagans, for Gentiles, run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them." That's what he says in Matthew uh, 6, 20, 25 to thirty three. But I like the New Living Translation. You know, listen at the New Living Translation, Matthew six uh, thirty two. It says, "These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers." I love that. These things dominate the thoughts. Of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Then Jesus goes on to say in verse thirty-two, "But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you or to you." So I want to get right into it. Based on what we see in this final chapter of this letter, I want to share with you the keys to embracing contentment as a spiritual principle. The text challenges us to pursue contentment. Now, it's, it's not promoting laziness. It's not promoting a lack of ambition. It's simply challenging us to be okay with relationship in Jesus Christ. Be okay with being different than the world. Amen. Amen. 
So if you want to, if you want to embrace this spiritual principle of contentment, number one, you have to. It, it requires a mental and spiritual shift. It requires a mental and spiritual shift. I say it because if you're going to live a a life of contentment with God's provision, then you need a shift in your personal theology and a different approach to material material things. You, you, you got to have a shift in your personal theology. You have to embrace contentment if you're going to thrive in it. I, I joke about bologna sandwiches and fighting sausages and all that stuff, but I, if I'm honest, y'all, I love it. I'm okay with it. I, I, I don't have to have a real by steak smothered in onions. I don't have to have a, a fancy Caesar salad. I, Matter of fact, we fried some bologna sandwiches yesterday. Man, first day. And it was it was better than Rooster. Amen. We're we trying to figure out what we're gonna do for lunch. I left the line pulled out there. Fry a pan and fry some bologna sandwiches. And, and she was happy as she could be. But embracing contentment helps you to thrive in any situation. Paul thanks the church for remembering him and his needs as they had always done. It appears there was a gap in their sending him gifts, as he mentions in verse 10. Nonetheless, their renewed concern and friendship for him was a cause for joy. He was joyful about their renewed concern, yet that he was doing just fine. He mentions there was a gap in the gift that they had sent him. But he doesn't explain what, what caused the gap. Apparently they had gone a period of time in sending him gifts. I begin to question the text. Maybe the church couldn't afford it anymore. Maybe the church didn't have nobody to send it. Maybe, whatever the case may be, they never forgot about him. He simply says in verse 10, they had no opportunity to show it until the Epaphroditus showed up. But notice what he says about contentment in verses 11 and 12. He says, I am not saying this because I am need, for I have learned. Let the church say learn. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says in verse 12, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Notice he uses the word learn twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. He used the word learn twice, and there is also an indication that he may, he had to make an adjustment. That's why I say it requires a mental and a spiritual shift. He learned contentment by contentment by going without whatever they were giving him. Then he made the mental and spiritual adjustment. He says, "I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty." The King James says, I, I know both how to be abased and I know how to how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be home, both to abound and to suffer need. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm good either way. I'm good either way. He says, he learned the secret to contentment. And as I thought about that, here it is. The secret, I figured it out, y'all. The secret to contentment is not let, is to not let your life be driven by what you have or what you don't have. 
That's the secret. It's right there in the text. If you read the text, if you meditate on it, uh, it'll come to you. The secret is to not let your life be driven by what you have or what you don't have. Rather, he learned to accept whatever God provides. In other words, whatever, whatever came his way, it didn't dictate the overall condition of his life or his spiritual well-being. I'll say it again. Contentment doesn't mean you shouldn't have anything. It simply means I'm okay with what I have. I'm even okay with what I don't have. He's in prison, but he learned the secret. He learned to make the best out of his situation. Um, I, I, like I, I, don't, I don't have to go to Ruth Chris every Friday night. I'm good with a fried bologna sandwich. I don't, I don't need a big old house. I'm good with a small house. I don't need a brand new car. I'm good with a 1994 Ranger. Amen. This is what Paul is saying. He had learned, he had to change his point of view of not letting his circumstances define who he is. But he's letting them know he appreciated their generosity. He wanted them to make, he wanted to make sure his words were not misunderstood. He's saying that he wasn't disappointed that they didn't send help sooner. Instead, he learned that the important secret to this this contentment is to be okay with whatever he had in spite of his, or despite his outward circumstances. Think about it. He's in prison, but it's good. I'm locked up for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, but I'm good. I'm making the best out of my situation. I'm thriving instead of surviving. This is what he's saying. This word content in the Greek is autarkes, which means independent. I'm independent of whatever else the world has got going on. He's, he's suggesting that he's independent of everything else but Jesus Christ. But I want to suggest to you also this contentment is the overflow of peace of the peace of God that passes all understanding. I want to suggest to you that when I'm content and thankful for what I have, it's another sign of the peace of God. Remember last week we talked about uh, the peace of God. He says, verse 6 and 7, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, which they given, present your request to God. Verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that part because he says, The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. In other words, you don't keep this peace. This peace keeps you. It says the peace of God is transcending all of us. That he's in prison. He's talking about peace and joy and contentment. He's, he's in prison, locked up. And some of us, sometimes we complain if we're stuck in the house all day. Some, some people complain that they can't get to the ball on the weekend. But here he is in prison. He's experiencing peace and joy and contentment. Amen. This peace doesn't subtract from the problem. It doesn't make the problems go away. It just gives you God's endurance while you're in your situation. It doesn't, it, you don't keep this peace. It keeps you. You don't guard this peace. This peace guards you. Amen. In other words, the peace that God puts around you will guard your mind from all of the circumstances. It'll guard your mind from all kind of foolishness so that none of these things can get to you. So the first thing, if you want to embrace this, this, this spiritual principle of contentment, you've got to make the mental and spiritual shift. Yes, yes. 
Amen. Amen. But here's the second thing, y'all. Contentment, number two, it requires a conscious and consistent dependency in Jesus Christ. It requires a constant, intentional, and consistency, a consistent dependency in Jesus Christ. You gotta be embraced, you gotta be intentional about embracing the uh, sufficiency of Jesus Christ, if you will. Are you here today? Amen. God help me right here. You got to be intentional about embracing the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Let me say it like this. If you confess the Lord Jesus as your Savior, then you have to go all in. You can't go halfway. You got to go all in. You got to lean into the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He simply says in verse 13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Uh, Vacation Bible School, we use the theme, I've got this with Jesus. This is what Paul is saying, I've got this with Jesus. I want to break this verse down in two parts though. Number one, he says, I can do all this. Then number two, he says, through him who gives me strength. I want to, I want to bust somebody's bubble this morning. We got to be careful that we don't misapply this, this verse. I want to, I want to shape your your thinking. You might be mad at me, but we got to be careful that we don't misapply this verse. Particularly as the King James puts it, I can do all things. We want to be a biblically sound church. Here's the first thing. The first thing: this verse is not promotion of materialism and spending money. Uh, this is the first thing we we often misapply this verse. It's, a, it's not about materialism or spending money. Uh, this is not the verse you use when you go to Priority Chevrolet to buy a new car. <laughs> Are you hearing me this morning? Uh, this is not this is this, this is not the verse about buying a new house down in Sandbridge, if you will. This is not the verse about going on a shopping spree at Greenbrier Mall. He says, "I can do." All this, but the second piece through him who gives me strength. The strength that Paul mentions here, it, it doesn't give you any special abilities. Any video gamers in here? Uh, some of us that play video games, you know if you if, if you play a certain type of game and you get certain accomplishments, you get extra abilities. Now, this is not what Paul is talking about. Amen. Uh, the, the strength that he's talking about, it doesn't turn you into a superhero. It doesn't turn you into Captain America. It doesn't turn you into, into Iron Man. It doesn't turn you into a Black Panther. It doesn't turn you into Spider-Man. It doesn't turn you into little or uh, the Little Mermaid. The strength or the power of Christ gives you the strength to endure life's problems and still have faith that victory It's about the strength to endure the problems and the circumstances of life. Let me put it to you another way. The strength of Christ, it keeps you from losing your mind when otherwise you would have gone crazy. Let me give it to you this way. The power of Christ, the strength of Christ, it, it keeps you on solid ground while all other ground is sinking sand. This is the strength he's talking about. It's not about superhero. It's not about uh, cash, cars, and crib. Amen. Amen. The power of Christ that Paul is talking about, it gives you balance while everything else is shaking. This is what he's talking about. And I know sometimes we misapply that verse, we misuse it, but the truth of the matter is, it, 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 it is the divine power of the Lord dwelling on the inside of us that helps us to endure everything. 
says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. For thou art with me. That's, that's the power right there. That's the strength. David goes on to say, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You got to rely on the power of the Lord to give you strength in every situation. What Paul is saying, I'm content with everything I have because I know who I can depend on. Even in this jail, I know who I can who I can depend on. I'm sitting on this cold concrete floor, but I I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. This, this piece, through him who gives me strength, clearly refers to the indwelling divine power of Jesus Christ. Amen. And Paul, he understood that, understand that he can, he can reach that level of contentment if only he relied on the Lord. Amen. Amen. So it, it's not that he finds himself out of bread or, or he's, he's not complaining about the roof over his head. He's not complaining about the situation he is, he's in. He's simply content with what he has because he knows who he has. Yeah. Are y'all hear me today? Yeah. He says, I know what it is to be in need. Yeah. I know what it is to have plenty. Yeah. But I have learned the secret of being content in every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or warm. It, it's simply, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. In other words, this, this unfailing source of strength that only comes from God. And this, this strength that came from God, came from God, it enabled Paul to be strong enough when he is faced with his worst situations. It, it enabled him to be strong when he has nothing or even strong when he has a lot. Amen. Amen. But the key for us, y'all, is when it comes to contentment is not losing sight of what really matters. That's what it's all about. We got to understand the power and the victory in our circumstances is simply based on relationship with Jesus Christ. Relationship with Jesus Christ, it should put everything in its proper perspective. Amen. It's not about stuff. It's about a dependence on the Lord and his power. And I understand sometimes it's easier said than done. I understand it. But Paul says you got to learn it. You got to make the shift. It doesn't happen overnight. He said you have to learn it. In other words, it came with experience. In other words, he had to go through some stuff. I had to learn how to be without and how to be with plenty. Learn to have to be hungry or well-fed. I learned how to thrive in either situation. But I, I can do it all through him who gives me strength. So number one, there's a mental shift, but then number two, there is a conscious and consistent dependency on Jesus Christ. But here's the last piece, and we've done, we got, we got another church to go to. Here's the last piece. Number three, contentment fosters appreciation for God's provision. Contentment fosters appreciation. Anybody appreciate God today? Anybody thankful that you got food on the table and clothes on your back and shoes on your feet and you got a roof over your head and you got transportation to get from point A to point B? It, it may not be the best, but, it, but it's the best for me. Amen. It, it may not be the top notch that the world considers top, but it's, it's all right with me. Amen. Contentment fosters appreciation of God's provision. Contentment means you appreciate God's provision whenever it comes. However it comes, and whatever it may be. 
It means, however God decides to bless me, it shall be all right with me. Uh, y'all just sing that song, He laid His hands on me. All right, all right. However He decides to bless me, it shall be all right with me. So when you say, my God shall supply all my needs, you are expressing confidence that God will supply every one of your needs. Amen. You, you, you sure that you appreciate God's provision. I like this because in verse 10, he points out the fact that he hadn't received anything from them in a while, but then he celebrates the fact that all the gifts still came. I hadn't heard from you while. I was good while you wouldn't listen, but I'm glad you still showed up again. God still provided his needs through the church. I come to tell you this morning, God will still provide for your needs. I know everybody's fussing about inflation and all this, that, and the other, but God will still provide your needs. Amen. He said in verse 17, not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I like verse 18. He says, I have received full payment. Then he says, and have more than enough. He says, I am amply supplied. Now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering and acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He has appreciation for God still meeting his needs, while at the same time, Paul tells them that they have helped him with his needs. God will supply all your needs. That's a double blessing here. That's a, a blessing for the recipient and there's a blessing for the provider. Amen. And I want to encourage you this morning, there is no human need that God cannot meet. In fact, I would argue that God meets our needs far better than anything else on this earth. Or anybody else on this earth. Amen. We can trust God that he will always meet our needs. Don't notice I said needs, not wants. Wants and needs are different. Uh, if the new iPhone came out Friday, I want that, but it's not a need. Uh, I want a new car, but I'm all right with what I have. Like Martin Lawrence said, I'm going to ride until the wheels fall off. But in the meantime, God is meeting our needs. Paul is saying we cannot get our identity wrapped up in stuff. We got to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me this morning? You really got to embrace this and whatever you need, God will supply. We may not always get what we want, but God will make sure we get what we need. So by, by trusting in Christ, by leaning into the Lord Jesus Christ, our attitudes have to make a shift. This is why Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew 6 not to worry. Because we know worry is useless. Instead of worry, we ought to have an appreciation for what whatever God will supply. Yes. We ought to know that he shall supply all of your needs. And because he supplies all of our needs, you ought to simply say, thank you, Lord. You ought to simply say, thank you, Lord. I'm good either way, whether in want or in need, whether in plenty or whether in little. I'm good either way. So I'll just say, thank you, Lord. 
So I'm done. I've got it all figured out. I've got it all figured out. I love that we spend too much time trying to keep up with the Joneses. We spend too much time trying to uh, conform to the ways of the world. But Paul says, I, I, I got it all figured out. I don't have to have this, that, and the other. Amen. I don't have to have what they have. I got what God gave me. I'm good. I've got it all. Anybody else got it all figured out? He said, it is about a spiritual transformation. It's about a, a conscious dependency in Jesus Christ. But then it's about appreciating what God provides. This is what this is what biblical contentment is all about. It's not the end or selling for less. It's simply uh, appreciating what God gives you. That's what it's all about right there. I got it all figured out, y'all. I, I don't know what took me so long, but I finally got it figured out. I got it all figured out. And so however you decide to bless me, I'm going to trust in me the way. Anybody still trust in the day? This is a matter of stewardship as well. It's appreciating what God gives you, but but not but continuing to trust in Him to continue to meet your needs. Amen. Amen. So I'm done. Come on, stand to your feet. Give God praise. If you got to figure it out, give Him praise. If you're thankful for what for what He gives you, you ought to give Him praise. Amen. I got it all figured out. God decides to bless me, it's all right with me. It's all right with me. He, he still got his hands on you. He still got his hands on you. Listen, if you're here today, you don't know Jesus in the pardon of your sins, if you've never received the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, today is the perfect day to receive salvation. Paul says in Romans 10 verse 9, if you confess, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Shall be saved. That's what salvation is. So if that's you today, the doors of the church are open. Secondly, if you strayed away from the faith, we used to call it backslide. If you if you strayed away from the faith and you want to rededicate your life to Christ, the doors of the church are open. But then thirdly, if you're looking for a church home, you don't have a church home. You don't have a place that you call your church family. We would love to have you be a part of this church, the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church. If that's you today, the doors of the church are open. Amen. Secondly, if you need prayer, the altar is open today. If you need prayer, the altar is open. Come on, choir. moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.